Hey, um, last time I got to spoke was about three weeks ago. We had sharing and didn't, uh, didn't uh, Danielle do, do a great job last week as she was openly sharing her part of testimony. That was awesome. And then, of course, Tom and Lita the week before. But I was really encouraged three weeks ago by the feedback because sometimes when you get a bit, you know, like, let's get a bit meaty, you go, oh, this will be interesting. But, you know, everyone was just so positive and encouraging. It's like, you know, we truly are in this together. We are a people that will stand on the Word of God. Amen? We will not bow to the idols of, of false religions, of, you know, socialism, of universalism, of all these things that are filtering into different areas of, of the church in our nation. We will not bow to these things. We will, we, we will continue to be set apart and be the people of God in this day. Amen? So I want to continue to speak about that today. So, Father, we thank you for what you are doing. We ask that you would continue to help, help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you, that we would continue to submit to you, that you would have your way fully in us and through us and amongst us. And, Father, we do thank you that there are greater things that are coming in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the fire, that you will uh, prove yourself faithful again and again and again. So, God, we thank you, and today we just invite your Spirit to speak to each one of us individually, but collectively, through your Word and your Spirit today, in Jesus' name. Amen? Whew, I don't really know where to start. It's funny when you get some, like, notes in front of you, and then you're just like, where are we going to go? Start at Genesis. Okay, we could be in for a long time. Genesis 1-1. No, it's just... There is, there, is some, there is so much beautiful things to soak on in the Word of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. All. Genesis 1-1, all the way through to Revelation... All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for correcting, teaching. What's the other one? Something. Equipping, training in righteousness that the, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, even in Genesis, is something that is counter our society. In the midst of creation over that six-day period, you know, it was evening and it was morning the first day. Our society talks about morning and evening. Our culture has reversed it. That we get up in the morning and we work, 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 and then we rest in the evening. But biblically, the breath of God is that it is evening and morning. That is prophetically that we are called to live from rest. From our place of rest, that is in Jesus Christ... We are meant to live. We're not meant to work, 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 strive, 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 do, 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 and then get a rest. No, no, no. We're actually, we're actually called to learn what it means to live and move and have our being in Him. You see, right throughout Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is so good. You know, the church is in time of restoration. 
for, for anyone that has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And to me, that's the key, isn't it? When Jesus spoke to the seven churches in Revelation, He always said, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, which tells me that there are people in the church that are not hearing what the Spirit is saying. And even today in our nation, as the Spirit of God is speaking, there are people that are not hearing what the Spirit of God is saying. And God is saying to us that, that, that I am restoring my church. There has been too much worldliness in the church. There's been too much self-centeredness. There's been too much sin. There's been too much of these things amongst my church. There's been too much division, competition, jealousy, strife, you know, strife, all this kind of stuff. And he said, I am moving amongst my people to restore my church. Okay, one, one person's happy about that. And three weeks ago, I just focused on the small part of that restoration from the verses of Acts 2.42, because when the Spirit was poured out, something took place from that very moment. You know, the flesh hadn't yet tainted it. When something is birthed, it's in its purest form until other stuff gets in the way and it gets shifted. So we can look at the purest form as when the Spirit of God was poured out and there were tongues of fire and they were all speaking and people began to hear the gospel in their own language. But it said that 3,000 were added to the church that day and what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I unpacked that just a little bit of what those four things really mean. There was a devotion to what was being taught. It wasn't like, well, I, I, I like that bit, but I don't like that bit. I'll just chuck it out. Or that really doesn't go with my frame, my frame of thinking, so I'll change it to suit what I actually believe. No, no, no. They, they, they devoted themselves. They said, we want the Word of God. We want the whole counsel of God. We want it all. We don't want to just have part of the lamb. As Jason said weeks ago when he was leading communion, it was like, eat the whole lamb. Even the guts. They were devoted to the word. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the gospel of the kingdom. They were devoted to the fellowship. They loved one another. And every opportunity they got, they would be together. Not not in a holy little club that was just closed in on itself, but they were the people of God in their city. They were the people of God, and they were seeing transformation come in their city through them together. Amen? The gospel of the kingdom is all about community. It's all about family. It's the heart of God. So they devoted themselves to one another in that context. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread as we've done. And it's sad that so many fellowships don't do this every time that they gather. You know, it's not just about the, you know, the, the symbolism of the bread and the cup, and we won't get into that because there's so much you know, in that, but it's about making sure that Jesus is the center of everything that we do. That's why we break bread. Jesus is the center. And people do it in their homes, they do it in their small groups. But, you know, we just remind ourselves that Jesus is the center. And that's, that's part of the restoration, what is happening. It's not about denominations. It's not about what name is written over the door. It's not about some, one person's ministry. No, it is about Jesus Christ. And he is establishing his ministry once again through the body of Christ. 
And I'm tired of the competition. I'm tired of the jealousy. I'm tired of the division. I'm tired of these things because it is not portraying Christ as Christ is meant to be portrayed. You cannot separate. Nowhere where, where the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers meant to be separated. Nowhere. Because to do that is separating Christ. Because Christ was the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor and teacher. You can't separate Christ. We're not meant to be separating Christ. The church in the city is meant to be more interconnected than what we realize. That doesn't mean that we do everything together. But when a letter was written to the church in the city, it was passed around every household of faith in the city. That's why it says to all the saints in Rome, to all the saints in Corinth, to all the saints in Galatia, how I'd long to see that in Bundaberg. To all the saints in Bundaberg, this is what God is saying. And we are so connected without competition and jealousy and whatever else that we could go, you know, we've just read this letter and it's so impacted us. It's your turn. You read it to your fellowship. You read it to the household of faith that meets at your place. Oh, we would get on the same page. We wouldn't go, gee, that ministry is really good, what they're doing over there. I might copy that. You know, if we don't complement, we actually end up competing. It's true. It may not be the intention, but if we do not complement, we end up competing. What would happen if we started to read from the same letter in the church in Bundaberg? So they devoted themselves. They put Jesus back in the center. It's his church after all, isn't it? We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of, yeah. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Oh, that the church in our nation would devote ourselves to prayer. You know, things would change rapidly if we devoted ourselves to prayer. Because as I said, there's so many dimensions to prayer, but what I was sharing is that the, at, at the foundation, it is a dependence upon God. When you pray, you are depending upon God. You're not working out how you're going to fix problems or what you're going to do. You are depending upon God. And that's when I say that the Church of Australia would come back to be devoted to prayer. That would be a dependence upon God. And we would see God move. Is there an amen to that? You know, one of the things that needs to break in the church across the nation, and you know when I say church, you know I have a bigger picture than, than just amongst us or even just amongst Bundaberg. One of the things that needs to break is the orphan spirit or the orphan mindset. I, okay, four people agree with me, that's, that's fine. Let me, let me help you to agree with me more. You see, the orphan's mindset, the orphan's spirit is at the root of so much of jealousy, competition, strife, division, gossip, backbiting, all that stuff, selfishness, because we don't actually fully know that we are loved, accepted and secure in the beloved. There's something in us that doesn't compute with that. And so... The flesh is working in there somewhere. But Jesus said this. He said this in John 14. He said, I will not leave you as orphans, for I am coming to you. Even Jesus understood that 
that often when something happens and you feel abandoned, all of a sudden you feel like an orphan. And some people have felt that in their life. A mother or a father has abandoned you or maybe someone passed away at a young age and you've, and you've felt that. you felt that sense of abandonment. And sometimes the things that we experience around us can impact on the way that we see God. So Jesus was, he, he knew that. And so he was saying, I will not leave you as orphans, but I am coming to you. He went on to say in verse 23 of John 14, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That is the language of the new covenant. It's family. The Father sent his Son, and he makes a home. We, if you go, well, how did that happen, Tim? We just read what Paul said to the church in Rome, chapter 8. Verse 15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. God placed his spirit in you and he said, son, daughter, you are mine. And that Holy Spirit is the seal of the promise guaranteeing that which is to come. You have not been left alone. The enemy will do anything he can to make you feel like you are abandoned, you are rejected, you are alone. And we need to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. The church in this nation needs to stop listening to the lies of the enemy and start to listen to the truth of God's Word. You see, we can say we are a people of the Word, and yet there are areas in our life that don't yet line up. We need to be people of the Word. So when it says, I have not left you as orphans, I will not leave you as, as orphans, but I am coming to you. I'm sending my Spirit to reside in you, and we will make our home in you. That's the truth. That's the truth. So when your feelings go, I'm not feeling that right now, you go, no, I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ because I am in the Beloved. I am His and He is mine. I am fully accepted in the Beloved. I am secure. I am in Him. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. And it doesn't matter what you say or what the circumstance around me says. I know I am loved. You see, we've got to start wielding the sword. Cut off the lies of the enemy. Cut off all deception. Wield the sword. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us everything we need. Everything. Maybe you need to say everything. No, no, say everything. Oh, come on. His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. 
Paul put it this way to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesus 1.3. He said, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. That is your position. And I would say that God is saying to his church as part of the restoration, he's saying, come up higher. He's saying, stop being earthbound. I want you to see from heaven's perspective. Come up higher because it looks really different. My perspective looks really different from your perspective. Can you see me now? Well, some of you can. Can you see me now? You know, we quote Isaiah 55, 8, 8 to 9 quite often. Well, I hear people say it. Because the God says, for my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. My, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your ways. And I go, yeah, that's true. But guess what? In Christ, we are now seated with him in heavenly places, and we now have the mind of Christ. The problem is we haven't put it on. We're still earthbound down here rather than agreeing with the Word of God and actually seeing and hearing what God is saying. Are we going all right today? Just checking. <laughs> you see, James said to the church, he said, don't merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. And isn't that really easy to do? To a, to, a, to, a, to a message like today, to a, to a devotion, to a audio message that you're listening to, to YouTube, whatever it is, it's really easy to listen to the Word and, and just and go, oh, yeah, that's great. And you can even walk out this door and you can go, that was awesome. That was so good. And then the next day you go, what was that about? You see, we've grown accustomed to just listening, not listening. And Jesus spoke about that, didn't he? That though they are hearing, they do not hear. Though they are seeing, they don't see. We need to be a people that hear. We digest it. God is really wanting to take his church into a different perspective. Yesterday when I was praying, I was just overcome. Oh, yeah. In Psalm 23, in verse 5, and it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can we be honest for a minute? How often when we're in the battle, do we see the enemy and miss the table that's been spread before us? Is that a fair comment? How often in the presence of the battle, the presence of my enemies, in the presence of what is the stuff that's happening around me that's not good, how often does our focus go onto that and we miss the table of the provision of the Lord in the midst of it? And he says, will you come and eat from my table? Because I am your provider. I am your healer, I am your strength, I am your joy, I am your hope, I am your peace, I am your faith, I am everything that you need. So stop looking at what is around you and come and eat from my table. You anoint my head with oil, that goes on to say, 
my cup overflows. Don't you love that? In the midst of the battle, there's like a, my cup overflows. That is your life, being a living testimony and a witness to the goodness of God. That is what overflowing, abounding means, that you have not enough just for yourself, but you have enough to give away to other people. And that is when people go, I do not understand how you can go through this with that joy. I don't understand how you can have peace. I don't understand how you can have hope. I don't understand how you can have faith. And you can say, because I'm eating from the table of the Lord. You see, we cannot give, we cannot give away what we have, have not first received. And I tell you what, I would say that in Australia, we're not very good receivers. Because you, you, even if you try it with each other, you'll go, oh no, that's, no, I can't take that. No, 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 give it to someone else. No, no, I don't need, no. We actually have to learn to receive, whether it's pride, whether it's unbelief, whether it's selfishness or whatever's in the way, false humility, whatever, we actually have to learn to receive because we cannot give away what we have not first received. You cannot give unless you've first got your paycheck from your boss. Otherwise, you'll go, um, hmm. That's why... It says in Scripture that we love because He first loved us. If we are trying to love people it's like without receiving, it is out of our own strength. It is out of our own resources. And guess what? Guess what happens when we start to rely upon our own resources? It dries up. You know, Romans eleven thirty-five to thirty-six says. Who has ever given to God that we should repay Him? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. It's all from Him. All from Him. And it's through Him. The Spirit of God is waiting for us to step out on the water. Someone at Friday Night Prayer actually had that song. Who was that? Are they here today? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Oh, it was you, Bruce. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Yeah, take me deeper. You see, because we, but we have to come to a place where we know the Word of God is the Word of God. I'm just going to give you some examples. Is that all right? So let's, let's go three different types of examples, totally different to each other, all different areas. So the first one, let's use prophecy, and I've, and I've used this one before, so forgive me if you've heard it. But Scripture says, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and they will prophesy. No? Can you repeat that back to me? Right. Sons and daughters, male and female, old and young, you shall prophesy. 
Now, there is the gift of prophecy and there is the office of a prophet. They are, and we won't get into that today. They are two separate things. But Scripture clearly says that all can prophesy. And Paul said to the church in Corinth, he says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, because that is for the strengthening and building up of the body of other people's faith. You see, tongues is for personal edification, unless there is an interpretation for the church, but prophecy is about the one another. It is about strengthening and building up your brother or sister in Christ. That is the basic... Foundation of prophecy. So, we have this gap in between, don't we? The Word of God says you can prophesy. Maybe you should say that over yourself. I can prophesy. You didn't all say that, did you? No, you didn't. Say, I can prophesy. No, that's still not all of you because it's not loud enough. Ready? I can prophesy. Wow. Now I've got a bridge in the middle because the Spirit of God is waiting there for you to go, I'm feeling that I should be praying for this person and the Spirit is waiting there for you and you're like, but I don't have anything. You see? We, we are looking at our own resources. It is like the, it, it is like the feeding of the 5,000. Lord, Lord, I don't have anything. Look, we've only got some fish and bread. Like, how are we going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children? I don't, I don't have anything. And he goes, oh. And he broke it. And he gave thanks to the Father. And the miracle happens. You see, that's where the miracle is. But somewhere between here and there, you've actually got to go, you know what? God's Word says it, so I'm going to trust. And you start praying for that person, all of a sudden you get something that you could not have known and, you, and, and, and they feel encouraged and you feel encouraged. What about giving? Well, that's a good one. The statistics show that there are quite a percentage of Christians that don't give. And I actually believe that if we did all give, that we would have the answer to the problems that our society is facing right now. Because I actually believe that we're meant to be the head and not the tail. I believe society is not meant to look to government for the answers, but I believe society is meant to look to the church for answers because we are the body of Christ. We could buy some land and we could build some tiny homes and we could do some stuff. And the government going, I do not understand how you, how you could be doing this. Well, because we're giving, because Jesus said give. But we don't give for all kinds of reasons. I don't give because I don't know what they're doing with the money. It's true, isn't it? I don't, I don't give because I don't really have much. You know, there's all kinds of reasons but the Bible clearly says that we are to give. Give joyfully, give cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver. You know, we are all accountable to the Lord in, in various things. You're, you're accountable in your giving. Then I guess people like me and the, and the board and then other people are actually accountable to God for what we do with it. But by you not giving, 
you probably don't realize that you're not doing what God calls you to do. So, but then probably the way I want to explain this one better is when you have this lack, when you look at your, your, your situation, you go, I don't have much. Do I go, I can't give this week because I don't have much. But you know what? The Bible says on the first day of the week they set aside offerings to be taken. And there's all kinds of other scriptures which we, won't, we haven't got time to get into today. But you know, the Spirit's waiting there for us again. <laughs> That's what I want to put the accent on. The Word of God says give. I go, well, I don't think I can, but the Spirit of God is waiting there for me to give. And you know what? When you take that step across the bridge and you give, something happens. You've heard some of my testimonies, our testimonies, when we had nothing and we, and, and we gave, and God just miraculously provided. You see, we look at everything from this perspective rather than there. We look at everything from earth's perspective rather than heaven's perspective. Is my God truly Jehovah Jireh? Is He faithful to provide all my needs? You know, we said we will not bow to the spirit of poverty and we always bought our kids Adidas sand shoes. Although Josh tended like Nike or Champion or something else or Asics at times. And it wasn't about the label, but it was about, you know what? I actually believe that we are doing what God has called us to do and we are going to make sure our kids don't miss out. And God was faithful the whole way through. But that's for another day. Another, the third option that it just came to me as I was pondering it was forgiveness. Hands up who likes talking about forgiveness. Half of us. <laughs> you know, Jesus said, when you forgive, forgive one another, Paul says, as Christ has forgiven you. He didn't say, well, no, don't forgive that person. He said, no, no, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. That was the measure. Christ has forgiven you of everything. Unless you hold on forgiveness. Because he said, because he said on the end of the Lord's Prayer that everyone likes to quote, when there's so much richness, richness in it, for if you forgive men their sins when they sin against you, I will forgive yours. But if you do not, so there's a blockage. Sometimes we're praying and we're going, God, what's the blockage? And he'll go, well, you actually haven't forgiven your brother or your sister or your workmate or your next-door neighbour. We are the head and not the tail. Walk in forgiveness. You see, but with the something, again, we're like, oh, no, I, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it in my heart. I'm just not feeling it. I don't want to do it. I'm not feeling it. But yet the Spirit is waiting for you out there again to go, you know what? As Christ humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, I'm going to die to self and I'm going to forgive Rosaline. Not that I need to forgive you about anything, but, but I'm going to forgive you. And in that moment, the Spirit of God moves and the stuff that was in the midst of it breaks and the love that you start to have starts to flow again. The best thing you can do if you've got an issue with someone is to pray for them because you cannot stay praying for them and remain angry with them. That's true. That's the best thing you can do rather than grumbling and complaining, which is the language of hell. 
Maybe start praying for them and using the language of heaven because you can't stay angry with them because you're praying for them. And, yeah, I'm speaking to myself as well. Amen. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Satan is always trying to trick us. He's always saying, did God say? Or he's saying, that situation will never change. Or that's too hard. That won't happen. He's always speaking these things to try and stop us from stepping from here to there. You can't do that. And, this, and the reason I say that the orphan spirit needs to go in the body of Christ is because Christ realized that he was a son. As he come up out of the waters of baptism and the father spoke over him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And you've heard me say before, he hadn't done any miracles yet. He hadn't changed the water into wine yet. He hasn't raised anyone from the dead yet. He hadn't done that. He was the beloved son. And so he ministered out of that identity that I am the beloved son. So when the enemy tried to say, if you are the son of God, come and throw yourself here or I will do this for you. And he's thinking to himself, like, really? Everything the Father has is already mine. Like, this is just a silly game. Just go away from me, Satan. And we all need to realize, and I think for all of us, there's, there's areas of our thinking that need to further align with the kingdom of God. Amen? That we would go, you know what? I am fully loved. I am wholly accepted. And I am totally secure in the Beloved. So I'm going to kind of wind up a little bit. I want to just, we are in a day of 2 Timothy. There is no doubt about it. We are in a day of 2 Timothy where it says this. There will be difficult times in the last days. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irre irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Do we not agree that we're there? Holding a form of godliness but denying its power. I don't want us to be a church that hold a form of godliness but deny the power of the gospel to see us changed. Because that's what it's talking about. It's talking about that I have a form of godliness. I do my religious duty and my ritual and I have appearance but on the inside of me the power of God has not yet transformed me. I want us to be a people that believe and experience the transforming power of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom in our hearts and lives that will then transform everything around us. Religion tries to transform you from the outside in, but the new covenant, the message of the kingdom transforms you from the inside out. We're in 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, 
will multiply teachers for themselves to have an itch because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. It happens all the time. That's why I've said there's so many more motivational speakers than there are gospel preachers. As part of the restoration of the church, God is calling us back to the Word. Because the Word testifies that Jesus is Lord, and the Spirit testifies that Jesus is Lord. They were never meant to be separated. Where some churches say, oh, we're Word, but that Spirit stuff, you know. Or some people go, well, we're Spirit, and there's, oh, that's, that, that Word's too religious. No, no, no to be a people of the Word and the Spirit. It was always meant to be a marriage where they kiss and both testify that Jesus is Lord. Can we be the remnant or part of the remnant? Not the 32,000, not the 10,000. Can we be part of the 300? And I'm not talking specific numbers here. Please don't think I'm just going, we've got 300. That the principle that we would be a people as part of the remnant here in the city, region, nation, that will go, we will not bow to anything other than Jesus Christ. Will we be a people of the Word and the Spirit? This is what our nation needs. I want to just finish with this if the music team wants to come up. In Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. You see, because James said, don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Is that okay? And guess what? We're all growing in it. Okay, two people are. Anyone else got it all together? 24-7? No. Okay. See, this is... This is why you're meant to have grace. This is why you're meant to, you know, extend because we are actually growing in this stuff. We are being changed. We are being transformed into the image of the Lord from glory to glory to glory to glory. But I want to just leave you with this because this just speaks. Yes, it's about the message of the kingdom, but it's also a principle about everything that we hear. What do we do with it? It's the parable of the sower. The sower goes out. Most of you will probably know it. The seed fell upon the path. Other seed fell upon rocky ground. Other seed fell, fell in soil, but, then, but, but, but it was amongst thorns, and they came up and choked it, and then other fell on good soil that produced 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So which patch is our heart? Jesus unpacks it, because they were like, what is this? And he says, when anyone hears the word about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. You know the best thing you can do if you don't understand something? Ask a question. That is the best thing you can do if you do not understand is ask a question. No question is a silly question. I always love, whether it's my been my soccer players in the past or people in the church, ask a question. 
Because if we don't ask a question and we don't understand it, the enemy just comes and goes, well, I'll just take that one away from you. The second one is the one who receives the word with joy. Are we receiving the word with joy today? But it has no root and it's short-lived. Is, is that our heart? That we can receive something and go, Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. And then, and then a week later we're like... Did you say 10 minutes later? Yeah, I suppose. We can receive something with joy. We go, yes, yes, yes. And you're in a worship time like this morning. And you're going, yes, yes, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. And then something happens in your life tomorrow and you go, well, this is too hard. It's never going to change. I'm being real. Is it okay to be real? That is not what God desires of us. That's not his heart for us. And I would say that before I move on to the last two, that if that is you, do you find yourself, get someone to lift up your hands. Don't allow the enemy to isolate you and get trapped in stinking thinking, but rather get people to encourage you, to build you up, to pray for you, to help you, because the breakthrough will come. The third one is the one that's sown amongst thorns. So they hear the word. So they've actually heard it. It's actually like, yeah, I've heard it. There's actually some root structures here. There's actually something like it's actually there. Oh, there it is. But the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Are you focused on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world? That's a challenge sometimes. To shift our thinking, go, no, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. You know, our life here is is but a breath, isn't it? Compared to eternity. And yet so often we get consumed by everything that we feel, touch and see. And we become unfruitful because we, our lives get cluttered. And, they, and as you've heard me say before, it's good to declutter. Declutter your home. You know, before Nick and Krista moved in with us for a little while, we decluttered our home. And it was like, I didn't think we had much stuff to, to throw away because we only moved house two years ago. But I like, had oh, these garbage bags full of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that can all go. And that's true in our hearts sometimes, isn't it? We need to have a spring clean. We need to have a declutter. And the fourth one is this. But the one... Sown on good ground is the one who hears and understands. There is a revelation that comes with the hearing. And it produces 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Amen? Sorry I've gone past midday. So can we, can we stand and we'll pray and 
What was that line in that song that you were talking about before? Calling down the rain of heaven. Is that what it was? There's a line in this song as we finish, calling down the rain of heaven. I want to encourage you sometime to go away and ponder what heaven looks like and then going, what would it look like in Bundaberg for the rain of heaven to be here in Bundaberg? Can you do that? Can you go away and imagine what heaven is like? There's no sickness. There's no stealing. There's no sin. Can you imagine that? And as we call down the rain of heaven, that is our heart to see on earth as it is in heaven. In Bundaberg, the crime rate would drop. The abuse would stop. The bondages would cease. The addictions would break. And that we would see reconciliation, restoration, reformation. We call and down the rain of heaven. So God, today I ask God that as you speak to each one of us, that you would help us to be a people of your word and your spirit. Help us to receive the resources of heaven. Help us to eat from the table of the Lord in the presence of our enemies, that our cup would overflow. Jesus, that you would be lifted high and exalted, that Bundaberg and this region would know that you are Lord and King, that you are Saviour, that you are the one who gave his life that they may live. And as we worship, if you need prayer for anything, for healing, for breakthrough, for direction, there are people here that will pray with you today. We don't need to pack anything away because it's still school holidays. We're just going to worship Him. And I just invite you to say, Lord, align my thoughts with your thoughts. Align my ways with your ways. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Let's lift Him high. Let's lift Him high. Yeah.